kind of focus now because we're about to, to read out of this book right here. Everybody knows what this book is. This is the Holy Word of God. There's nothing that you can even name that even compares to not only the power of this book right here, but the importance of this book. There, there's nothing, nothing's in, it, in existence, never will be. And because it is God-breathed, it's a holy thing to hear it. It's, it's definitely a holy thing to say it and preach it and speak it and quote it. And so we know that Satan hates this. He hates the Word of God, so he always tries to confuse it, and he tries to uh, make people question and doubt it or, or just kind of water it down. And we know we can't play around with God's Word like we said we can't play around with God. So last week, we started a prayer that I want everybody here to that's able to stand up and pray this prayer, I want you to stand if you will. And this is just taken right out of Matthew's gospel when Jesus gave the parable of the sower, the seed falling on good soil, on dry, hard soil, by the rocks, by the wayside. This is the prayer straight from that. More than quoting it, I want you to pray this before we even look at one word in this. Father God, help me not only hear your word today, but to fully understand what you are saying to me. I pray that I joyfully receive your word, refusing to allow any form of tribulation or persecution to cause it not to take root. I pray, oh, my Father, that no one or nothing will be successful in tempting or distracting me from bearing fruit. Father God, I pray that as I receive your word, it is so clear to me that I leave your house today producing what your word declares I should be producing. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and God's people said amen. All right, because I'm so concerned about people going to heaven, this is where we are this morning. I'm, I'm so convinced by the Word of God, first of all, that the Lord of uh, heaven and earth is going to sound, have the trumpet to sound at any moment. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us that are alive and remain, we will be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says forever we will be with him. And if people are not prepared for that, if people don't understand everything about that whole process and about what real salvation looks like, they will not go in on that. They will have to suffer through a tribulation like man has never seen before and people, most people that I know uh, will not, and, and the way the culture is, society today, people won't, they, they won't be able to handle that. And so it's, it's okay to preach anything out of the Bible when God gives it to you, but there's a message of the hour, and it won't ever leave me. I, I, I won't get rid of this because I know the Lord could come back at any moment. 
So I'm going to kind of touch on a little bit of what I spoke about last Sunday, but I'm going to ask you to look at the 28th chapter of Exodus with me because there's something that God spoke about in this that has so much to do with the 19th of June and every day leading up to the sound of that trumpet. Listen to this. And Aaron, now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. Now, I want to start right here because I want that understanding that we prayed about and we spent a lot of time talking about, I want it to begin right now. First of all, I want you to understand verse 1 says that when God was instituting the, the order or the office of the priesthood, folks, do you have verse, four, verse 1 in front of you? I want you to look at that because the first thing God did was he told Aaron and he told Moses, I want you to get your sons from among the children of Israel. Or in other words, take your sons out of the crowd, get them away from just all of the population, and I, I want you to pull them, again, this will sound familiar, and I want you to set them apart. They're about to enter a new chapter of their life. For the rest of your family lineage, this is a new moment in time. So he was telling him that from this day forward, you can't, they can't be just like everybody else. Can everybody hear me? I'm going to go ahead and say this maybe a few times. We are in the world. That's an IQ test, but we are not of the world. God shows us this in plain, broad English right here in front of you that before he set up a holy office, and this next part is equally important, that would not minister for him. We're told two times in four passages. But he was setting the priesthood up to minister to him. I want to tell you today that in order for you to fulfill, I tell you, I get so tired of hearing it on Christian TV because it's, it's taken out of context and it's usually motivated by money or 
selling books or products on TV, but people have taken the word destiny and they have marketed it. I don't even like to use it anymore. I understand what it means, but I'd rather just because the way false prophets and everybody else has, have manipulated it, and it's the same term that the world uses. Well, it don't mean the same thing. It is when you always put money with it or you put drawing people to you in your kingdom. It is the same thing. I like to say you're calling. These men were called out. If you are a believer in Christ and you've really been saved, you, brothers and sisters, too, have been called out from among them. You've been called out. Jesus was Jesus. He was Jesus Christ. But he had no problem eating with sinners, publicans, prostitutes, spending time with people that had the worst reputation in town. And you know why that was? Well, he was Jesus. Well, Jesus lived in you, we claim and we profess. He had no problem at all doing this because he was more interested in influencing them than they were ever to influence him. So, <clears throat> when you start this journey, along with giving your sins to the Lord, you've got to understand, and I, I know it will sound a little bit like last week, but you've got to understand that I'm saved now but God, God pulled me out of this. Whatever this or it or they were, God pulled me out of this. Our problem is we want to be saved not because we really want to serve Jesus and be the life of Christ. Now, we just don't like the idea of dying and going to hell. Amen? I'm telling the truth today. So to soothe our conscience, we have a form of godliness, and we also, uh, with the help again of TV or, or preachers that don't really mean business, we're told that as long as you pretty much say an unrepentant sinner's, pr sinner's prayer, you can just go on about your business. But I'm telling you, Jesus saved you to wash you and redeem you and to pull you out from among what you were in, and it was choking, and it was sinking you to hell's lowest pits. So, you're in this world, but you are no longer a part of this world. In fact, your only job in the world now that he pulled you out of, but you still are around, is to be salt and to be light. And that's it. If you worry about dating uh, or worry about getting a job or getting in some kind of clique or club or thing or whatever, I, I'm just using all kind of things, and you, and you try to justify this and you hang with sinners. All the older people in here knows the old saying, if you hang with dogs, what's going to happen? You're going to get fleas. Well, I won't do it. This is why... God pulled these people out. God pulled these people out because not only was he going to change who they were, they were no longer the sons of Aaron, but now they were going to be priests that ministered to God nonstop. He was going to change 
who they were and what they looked like. They was about to go from an unholy people in an unholy mindset and an unholy wardrobe to a person or people of God that ministered to a holy God and had to reflect his holiness in what they looked like and what they wore. If you don't stay with me and you float in and out of this message today, you're going to pick up the part that's really going to confuse you or tick you off or make you go out here and try to discuss it down with somebody. So just stay where you are today. God saved you so you could be saved from sin to be the salt and light. This is the understanding. I, I haven't forgotten where I am. And he saved you so that you could now reflect the holiness of God and minister to God. See, when I come up here, I'm preaching, and it sounds like I'm preaching to you or us, but that ain't what's happening in the heavenlies. I'm ministering to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God whose train is high and lifted up, and it fills the temple, the God who spoke and there was life, the God who sent his only begotten Son. I'm ministering before a holy God today. That's why I can't walk behind this pulpit and listen or say any old kind of thing in my car before I come up here because I'm not doing it for common people. I'm doing it for a holy God. And cursed be the man that stands behind the pulpit and tries to do all kinds of things, sleep with women, embezzle money, lie, cheat. His mind's on making more money and preaches out of the holy word of God because really, in all actuality, he's supposed to be preaching and ministering to God. God, you just get the benefit of hearing what I'm doing for God today. That's what that Bible says. Now, after you were saved, you're pulled out, and you are exclusive property. That's what that whole sanctified set apart meant last week. The Bible says in uh, well, many verses. I, I, let me just kind of package this together real quick. But God told Abraham, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that. He told him to get up from where he was and leave. Go. God cannot do what he wanted to do in his life where he was. He had to take him to a scary place, an unknown place, a people, a place he didn't know. But the whole time he walked, God said, as far as you walk, far as you see, I'm giving it to you forever. That's why this is a little commercial right here, but not really a commercial. That's why even though you don't know a whole lot about it, uh, and you may try to make it a political thing if you want to, uh, God help you. But this is why there's so much uh, in the fake uh, demonic news about Israel. I just want to tell you that God gave that land to the Jewish people. You hear words like they're occupying. Look, if you bought those clothes and they're not rented from some kind of place somewhere, nobody does that. But if you bought them clothes, are you just occupying them clothes or do you own those clothes? You own those clothes. Those people over there 
we can get all, you know, people start maybe, uh, this is where all the social media stuff that we're platforms on, they start tagging all this kind of stuff right now. Don't care, don't care. I'm ministering to God. I don't care about Facebook, YouTube, uh, app. I don't care about all that stuff. I'm ministering to God right now. And I want to tell you, the land has always belonged to the Jews. And he said that that's the apple of his eye. It doesn't matter what uh, Democrat or Republicans do, positive or negative. God's already beat everybody to the punch. He said, it's mine. It'll always be mine. It's smaller than the state of New Jersey. And all the big boys want to point guns and all that out. But you're not going to be able to touch it until God says what will happen, only a fraction, and it won't be destroyed because that just by itself, and i got to get back on track here, by itself on the Mount of Olives, when those of you that are coming back with me and thousands upon millions of other people are with our Lord and Savior for the thousand year reign, you know where? It's not going to be in Switzerland. It's not going to be down at Disney World in Orlando. It's not going to be in California or New York. But the Bible says that Jesus will step out onto the Mount of Olives. You know where that's located? That little strip of land we're talking about. So listen, I want you to know that what God has set in motion a long time ago, even when he gave that to Abraham and his descendants and people after it, God did all of this. I'm getting somewhere. I've just got to lay this out first. God did every bit of this because he wanted Abraham to know, I'm not pulling you out of this land just to be mean or you didn't pay your tithes last week. Boy, I'm doing a work inside of you that you'll never be able to do like this or even compared to this, but it's requiring me to move you from where you are. He did this with Esther. He did it with Joseph. He even used his brothers to be in on it to lie about him. I told you this, put him in a pit, sell him and all this. He did it with David, pulled him out of uh, watching sheep. He did it with the 12 disciples. He called them from collecting taxes and he called them from catching fish. And he did all this even with little old Mary. She was minding her own business, but she found favor in God's eyes. So every time God has done something great in the Bible, usually you will find a history of God pulling people out. Sometimes he has to pull me out and he has to put me in a low place. But sometimes he has to pull me out and he has to put me in a place where he knows I'm still, not even if it's up here, I'm not interested in anything but glorifying his name. So don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise when God relocates you and he puts you somewhere or he lays something on your heart he does this. Don't despise it. You don't know what God's doing, and you don't know where God's placing you, so you can minister to him. He pulled them out, and then verse 2 says, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. My life right now, and I, I, I'm about to get to this next place because I got to get here kind of quick because I got to spend a little bit of time on it. God shows us 
what ministry ought to look like right there. Did you hear the two words, glory and beauty? I spent a lot of time talking about rock star preachers and worship people and people in ministry and all that <clears throat> with clothes and haircuts and all the <clears throat> markings people get uh, just to be noticed. You know, a lot of people have things going on before they get saved and they get saved. That's a whole different, that, 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 that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that constantly are doing things. You know, I don't want to go here, but like the preacher, you know, that it's on all on the Internet and on primetime TV that wear the $5,000 sneakers and all that. You can't tell me you're not doing that to draw attention to yourself. Amen? I mean, here we go. IQ test again. The Lord told us in this one passage right here that he was about to call people out and he was about to fit them and the reason that he was going to clothe them and what we we're going to look at was so they could be assigned to the people of the beauty of God and the glory of God, not of them. See, when you got saved, you died I died, we gave it all to the Lord because we only want the new life in Christ. That's the only one with hope and promise. So we crucify ourselves. We crucify our flesh. And we say, God, everything about me from this day forward is only going to, it's not going to draw attention to me. It's not going to be about my beauty. Now, I don't mean, again, for the second week in a row, looking like a corpse. I don't mean that. But I don't mean to look like some of these ladies on TV that's gone on I, to heaven that people made fun of because they had, they looked like, Joker the Clown, they look, had all these other looks going on. I don't mean that. When you get saved, you will find out that you only want to look like Christ. You want to live like Christ. You want to talk like Christ. You want to be like Christ. And folks, here's your question. Stop and think. Has the past seven days of your life, what's been on your mind, what you've done, how you presented yourself? Do you do it, try to draw a compliment? I mean, is something as easy as that? Has it been for your glory and your beauty, or has it been for God's glory and God's beauty? You see, you can't have two masters. You can't love two. You can't be this way and that way. And I got to just be honest right here. I'm not half preaching the way I need and feel like I want to preach right now. But this thing right here has got me so paranoid, and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus right now. And I don't want to start coughing and all that. But if y'all will just bear with me today, I will get it out. And you're just going to have to know I'm in this lane that I don't like being in right now, but I don't want to draw attention by borderline coughing all the time. So God pulled you out and then God said what your life would look like from then on. And that was a life of glory and a life of beauty. And verse 3 says this, and I'm moving along now. 
So you shall speak to all who are, are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, set apart, this is only for God's use, <clears throat> that he may minister to me as priest. So, not only could they not be like everybody else and be where everybody else was in the world, now the Lord's saying, you can't look like everybody else. And again, I can go back in time and talk about you know, growing up, and when I was in college, you know, they talked a lot about legalism and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you something free of charge right now. When a person's genuinely saved, and, and, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to hit some preachers when I say the men part. Ladies, you no longer want to flirt and see how short you can wear it or tight you can put it on, or you don't even want to gob it up so much that it's not even really you anymore, but you want to be a modest person that reflects the glory of God and the holiness of God and the beauty of God. And I've seen many, many, many women since I was a little boy that were full of the Spirit of God saved, but they were still beautiful. They were very nice looking, and I don't mean that in a distasteful way at all, but you don't have to be ugly is what I'm saying, but you don't have to be gaudy and look like a stripper that's just got a Bible under her arm on your way to church. Men... If you purposely, I don't care how much you pay for a gym membership and you work out and you got to, I can name preachers on TV right now. Don't, this is not correct grammar, don't be buying a medium or a small when your rump needs to be in a double or triple X. Don't do it. I don't care how big, I can call preacher's name. One of them's dead, I know, that used to do it. Big on TV. I don't care if you do got big guns. You can't show big guns and show the power of the Holy Ghost at the same time. Your guns is the power of Jesus Christ, the glory of God. And when you draw attention to you just because you're in shape, you're not ministering to God. You are a walking billboard saying, look at me and what I'm about. <clears throat> I know, man. This is as old-timey as it gets, too. And there's a way to do it. Let me go on and do this because I'm playing with this paper. Wednesday night in the children's class, <clears throat> Beckham and some of the other children come out, and he said, they were naked. They were naked. They were naked. And God put clothes on them. See, Adam and Eve is what they talked about in that class. So I got his paper. It was at the house. Uh, 
And I just kept it with me to remind me of this right here. They were clothed with the purity of God before sin entered, and they were naked. All of you know the story. I'm going all the way back to Genesis 1. They were. Sin caused their eyes to be open and to see their nakedness. But to show you to the kind of God we serve, and the whole message today is about God's standard, it still matters. That's the title of the message. God shows you when their eyes was open, the very first thing he did was get them covered again. See, they were covered with the holiness and the purity of God to begin with. But when sin walked in the door and they took part of sin, the very first thing God, God did was he, was he was to show where modesty and where he stood again. So I'm telling you, it still matters how people look, how people carry themselves, how people dress, and it matters what you look like. The very next verse, or in that same verse 3, the Lord talked about, he said, I don't want just anybody being a part of your life. I want you to go to gifted artisans that I have filled with the Spirit. I'm trying to get through this. God, would you help me today? I'm only here for your glory. I want everybody to hear this part. You cannot allow anybody just to influence you. If you want to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, quit letting everything that says it knows Jesus and that it's got all this that it can help you out, hey, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't let everybody at work breathe and invest into your life. Don't let other kids that go to other churches where they don't really preach the truth and the holiness of God, don't let them tell you, students, I don't know who I'm talking to, what, your, uh, what their preacher said or what their church teaches. You've got to watch out what goes into this vessel right here. He, God said, I don't want anybody making these clothes. I only want people on the same team because I'm a God of consistency. I want it pure and I want it holy from start to finish. God proved that in the Garden of Eden. And even though we live in a so relaxed society today and we live in a church culture that has gotten rid of all things holy. I'm telling you, without holiness, the Bible says no man will see the Lord. And the preacher up here, God, I still believe that. And I want you to know this. It matters, it matters who sows into your life. It matters what you allow to come in through your eyes or your ears are through other people and books you read and all that. It matters. Don't just let anybody in anything because if you let a poisonous person in your life, they're going to infect you with poison. Very quickly, oh, God, help me say it less than 15 seconds. Quit watching secular television and news that's owned by hell. Quit it, church. Okay, I'm through with that. I got that out. Thank you, God. I got that out. I got it out. And people are going to do it. I, I mean, I, how many times have I said that since 2020? And people are going to do it. And people are going to tell me what they heard. 
And, you know, I don't want to look at church people or people in the community and say, you fool, you're stupid, why are you doing that? You wouldn't drink poison, but yet you're doing that. But that's what it is, folks. Why do you think the world's going to all of a sudden tell you something holy and true? Well, i got to watch it to know that. You do? I don't have to. I know what's happening. I guarantee you I know what's happening. I know it. I, I ain't got to watch a bit of, news, a bit of news. I don't have to watch it. I don't have to watch it. And I certainly don't have to watch commercials that's throwing up Pride Month and all. Oh, oh, oh. Well, we're talking about holiness, amen? Trying to watch Chip and Joanna fix up the 51st million house the other day for uh, a few minutes. Uh, not really watching, but that's just what was on. I walked in there and, you know, the, uh, the little lower, what we call lower thirds, the thing at the bottom that they just float in and out while you watch it. So, uh, youth text this number, or this fundraiser's going to Detroit Tigers. All the tickets from this night is going to this to help celebrate and support these organizations for uh, LBT by GYQ my STVAT community. Yeah. So I'm telling you folks, that's the people that's feeding the world the information. You know what the news is going to tell you? exactly what they are being told to tell you and they don't care if you believe it or if you don't because they know they have a 99.5% chance of everybody that watches it on a regular basis eating it, eating it, eating it and, 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 and continuing to advertise it and spread it. You know what I heard on the news? Hey, somebody, guess somebody give you a dollar every time they tell you. You know what I heard on the news today? And then pay tithes on it, because it'll help us out a lot. Nicodemus was told by Jesus. He said, Nicodemus, you're a religious man. And I'm paraphrasing, you're coming to me at night, and you're telling me uh, about all these questions you have. And I want to tell you, Nicodemus, that the only way, the only way that you can really be a part of God's work is to be born of water and to be born of the Spirit. How can I be born of the, uh, how can I be born again? Can I go into my mother's womb a second time? Jesus said, you're missing the point. I'm telling you, Nicodemus was just still trying to carry out all the religious rules, fulfill his position in the community as well as in the tabernacle, in the synagogue. He was trying to do this. But Jesus was telling him in a, what I believe was a very nice way, dude, you are not ready to lead this life right here. In fact, the only way you can accomplish what I'm talking about, the only way you can understand why God's standard is still a standard is because if you have not really been born again, you're still dead in your trespasses. I, I keep going back to the cross, but that's where a lot of the church has problems. It's called salvation. We have problems with salvation. And he said, look, unless you are born again, because when you are really born again, then, then this born again experience 
will be one that will make you want to do the right thing. It will be an automatic thing that you crave and you do all the time. And that's why a lot of people, I tell you every week that I'm afraid they're not ready to die or be raptured. It's because they have not truly been born again. How can you say that? I can tell you by the glory and the honor that they're always begging for in their life and what their calendar looks like on a weekly, monthly basis. See, I believe you cannot say I'm looking for Jesus to come and not be in church every time you humanly possibly can. I got that statement from right there. Let me, let me hurry. I, 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 you know... I, I feel, I feel, I feel you today. I really do. And I feel God today. I feel his word. I feel his word inside of me. And I want everybody to understand that he's a holy God. And in the fourth verse, this is the last scripture, by the way. God shows us, I'm not going to read the fifth verse, I'm going to read the fourth verse, but God shows us how much of a God He is when it comes to a standard. And these are the garments which they shall make. Talking about these gifted artisans that are full of the Spirit of God. A breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to... Say it with me. Me, as priest. God just didn't call them out. God just didn't tell them what he wants them to reflect for the rest of their life. God told them how he wanted them to dress. He told them what he wanted them to wear, folks. And I'm not going there. That's not what I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get at today is that God had a standard from the beginning and it was called modesty that I told you about with Adam and Eve and then when the priesthood come along he just said you're now ministering to me you're not ministering to the Kiwanis Club you're not ministering to the high school band or the football team or you're not ministering to the Christmas parade I'm trying to think of all kind of junk you you're not even ministering to the church. You are ministering to me. And this is a whole different level than even Broadway or Hollywood or anything else. So, because my standard is so much different, and because I'm a holy God, you just can't look like anything. 
I want you to look like this because everything in your life now down to what people say about you and what you even wear. And it wasn't always comfortable clothes, you see, because it was about four layers of stuff and pockets. The breastplate had pockets that rocks had to go into, you see. So it wasn't really nice uh, feeling material, but they had to live in that when they ministered to God because that was his standard. And as you live for Jesus Christ, it's going to matter at some point if you get in tune and in touch with God. I got I to gotta fix this. I want people to see Jesus, but preacher, you're wearing blue jeans. Yeah, but it's the best pair of blue jeans I got, and you're wearing a shirt, but it's a brand new shirt I'm wearing. I'm not coming up here with holes, and I'm not coming up here. By the way, the ugliest blue jeans cost the most money these days, and I ain't got none of them sorry jokers on. I'm coming in here. It ain't about me wearing a suit. It ain't about us looking like a bunch of Quakers in here. But if that's what God lays on your heart to do and you're doing that to glorify God, then God is well pleased with that. We've got to get our minds off of culture and what everybody else is doing and we want everybody to approve us and we've got to understand we are holy ministers to a holy God. And when you do that, when you do that, this holy God will respond. So, in closing today, I'm going all the way back to where I started. Because God still has a standard. Now, let me say this before I do this, this last part. Ladies, if you normally wear makeup, and you come in this church without makeup on next week? <laughs> I'm going to need to talk to you. Men, if you forget that part and you come up with a, and you ain't worked out anyway, but you're going to go eat about eight pieces of fried chicken, but you come in here with tight shirts on and all that, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. I'm talking about what you do. You pray and you say, God, not just what I wear, because I told you about the fake people that looked holy, but man, they were, closest, they were as close to hell as anybody because they did stuff outside of church and they smoked, they ran around and all this other kind of stuff, and they drank and they did drugs. I don't know about the drugs, I'm just saying. But they did all kinds of things, but their wardrobe said they didn't do all that. Do y'all understand that when I say that? Okay, I'm talking about matters of the heart that is reflected. Bottom line is that we're going back to the part I told you a week ago that my job is to prepare you because there's a wedding celebration that is about to take place. And that's what all this talks about. It's not trying to get us to be different or to look like this church or this denomination or go back in time or, or blah, blah, blah or draw attention to us on Facebook or anything. No, what it is, we are getting ready to go home, but we're not just going to any home. We're going to a place that's been prepared specifically for the bride of Christ, which are people that have really been saved. And the problem that we face 
is a lot of people have a wedding gown mentality. I'm a Christian, and I want to go, you know, like the ten virgins. I want to go to heaven. Oh, I want to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm on my way. But in the eyes, I don't care what the people say about you, but in the eyes of Almighty God, your wedding garment is filthy because you have not allowed the standard of God to be applied to your life because the love of God is not that deep in your life. Because if you love God at that level, you're going to want to do what the Bible says. You're going to want to present yourself as a holy bride without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. You're going to want to be right. And that's why how you live every day of your life, what you look like, what you let into your ears, your eyes, your mouth, what you do is a reflection of what your garment looks like on wedding day. And what God said, he talked about this more than one time in his word. One time the Lord said, he said, how did that person get in here? It shows you, number one, you've got to be saved. He said, how did that man get in here? He was telling the story. How did he get in here to this feast? This celebration, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a garment on. And when he was asked about it, he was escorted out immediately to where they were weeping and wailing. And the Bible says gnashing of teeth, all because he wasn't properly dressed. He didn't even care. He just said, well, I'll just go in on somebody else's good name. It's an individual thing. And then there were other, I refer to those ten virgins, those five bridesmaids that were serious because they all slept at one time. But then there were five that said, well, God, he's a God of grace. He, he, he doesn't care if I still do this. He, he doesn't, you, you know, and I could go some places right here. This is going to be uncomfortable when I'm closing, I promise. I could go because some of you and people at other churches and People that I know from other areas, you put your mess on Facebook. If I can't help you, you need to ask me to leave, church. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm, I'm trying to help people right now. You put it out there that you play both sides, that you flirt with things of the world, that you don't really keep God's standard in mind. If you're online, listen, this is for you that you just want to go where it's happening, man, the moment. I just want to go where it's happening. You got to be careful with that junk because everything gets all over your garment. I don't care if you ain't heard nothing else I've said about Old Testament today. I want you to understand this before I pray. Everything you do, every choice you make, even the intention, how people are going to perceive me tomorrow at work or in the community, It'll either soil up your wedding garment or it will be one that you don't mind God coming back at any moment to get you. And remember, you cannot use your standard or your friends or your family standard. You've got to use the standard of God. 
God is a God of holiness. He's always said that. His people are set apart. He don't want the world just getting all over you because he, Abraham, he's got stuff in store for you that the whole world can't even give you if they were combined their mess. So why do you want to block God out in these last days when he's pulling you out to get you ready to take you home and in the meantime, do great and mighty things that you know not of? So everything you do, it gets on there. It gets on there. Oh, it don't, oh you you're telling me that don't matter? And then everything that you do can have no effect at all on it because you're doing things that won't soil you up. And, and this is what I want to tell you. We're in the, right in the middle of wedding season. In fact, stand up. I'm going to give you hope right now. Stand up, please. Hey, Chris, you don't want this, but would you please, don't put a light on it, because we don't light lights. The people that don't play keyboard on regular, but we don't light lights. Don't put a light on it. But we just can play anything. I speak G. I don't care. Uh, I don't want canned music today. This is wedding season. If you've ever been in a wedding, whether you were the bride, the bridesmaid, the groomsman, ring bearer, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? Got a lot of hands. So good, everybody's going to get this. Every wedding, I don't know how many, I don't know how many messages I've preached, funerals I've preached, weddings I've preached. I don't know. I don't keep up with that. God keeps record of that. It don't matter. The one that matters is the one I'm preaching right now. Every wedding I've ever been a part of, though, including my own, can be defined by details. There's not a woman, and I'll start with the bride because we're the bride of Christ. There's not a woman that gets up the day before her wedding or the week before her wedding and goes picks out a dress or says, you know what, I think I'm going to call a caterer and see if they can hook me up Saturday. Oh, that's right. He's over there. Uh, if they ain't busy and they have to throw something together for you, oh, they're going to hook you up because you just hooked them up. Not a florist. Not a dress or uh, a tuxedo place. Details are started on months, if not a year or two out. They go ahead and find the venue. Well, the venue's got regulations. The venue's got things. You can't do this here. You can't do that there because we use this thing for wedding halls. And the bride, she has. If you're going to be a bridesmaid, well, you just can't wear anything. This is what we're all wearing. Don't matter if you can afford it or not. If you're going to be in this wedding, this is what we're wearing. This is the shoes we're wearing. This is the kind of flowers we're taking. Everything matters. Don't you come up in here in some hoochie mama looking mess. We all looking good for this wedding. This is my wedding. Men the same way. No, we, we all wearing the same. We, in fact, this is six months out. We're going to get fitted for the tux right now because it takes a long time. We're calling the caterer now because they might already be booked up. We're going ahead and meeting with the florist and uh, the wedding director because 
this is our wedding. This is my wedding, and I want it right, and I want to not wait to the last minute. Doesn't matter what they're charging. This is where I want my wedding held at. Doesn't matter what this is going to cost. This is the way I want it. And the wedding party, it's not just uh, up in the air. There's expectations when you have to be at rehearsal. There's expectations when you've got to be there the day of because Susie Q's going to work on our hair at 8 o'clock in the morning. And we all got to be here. And sister girl, she's going to be doing her makeup about 10. And so you got to be here. Don't be going to no yard sale or don't be going to the mall. Don't be going. You better be here because this is my wedding and you're going to mess it up if you're not here. All of that is because this is a one-time event with this man, and I said this man, uh, and these people, some of these people won't be here a year from now. They'll be dead. We'll never have this same moment again, and it's got to be right. I'm telling you on a scale that I cannot even begin to tell you. There's a wedding coming where a holy God's going to send a holy son He's already sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us and to work through us and work with us, but he's going to call us home one day. He has put all of the details in here of what it's going to look like, what you need to be doing in the meantime, how you need to be treating each other, how you need to be in church every chance you get, how you need to be praying more and more, how you need to be loving God more than you've ever loved God, how you need to be working, how you need to be giving of your time and yourself, how you need to be reflecting the glory and the beauty of God. He's put it all right there. So you, you ain't caught off guard. He's told us for centuries since the Garden of Eden what God looks like and what he wants his people to be like. So nobody has excuse on the wedding day. And he sent little preachers like me to come and yell and scream and all this to say, look, we don't know what it is, but we do know what the Lord and the husband of our soul is wanting. He's already working on the venue. He's been working on the venue a long time, you see. And so he's got that part handled. You just got to make sure you're dressed and you're ready. And today is that day of salvation of when my life needs to be born again in one of purity and holiness. And that's what God's called you to. So I'm just going to ask you, before we pray or walk out of the door, do you want to work on your, your wedding, your wedding garment? Do you want to pray to God today about how, how you want to appear before the Lord on Monday? Hey, on Friday night. You see, I'm trying to do this and not be funny uh, at all. But we, we, in the Christian community, oh, we've done as much advertising as the sin, sinners do. People put it out there all the time. You know why? Because we love, you know, people don't want to hear that. We love affirmation. We want somebody to, oh, you look good. When you need to be living a life that says, oh, God is good. 
Okay? So does anybody just want to pray? That's probably how we need to close. Does anybody want to just say, Lord, I, I want to I be holy. I want to be set apart. You pulled me out. Does anybody want to come pray with me before we go? If you're not a believer, if you'll come right here in the middle of this, this altar right here, and you say, man, I'm, not, I'm that man that was sent out and thrown into the fire. I want to pray with you. If you're online, you've got to understand why people are coming. You've got to understand this right here. That God loved you enough to save you, to make a way. And God loved you enough for you not to be the trash of the earth, but the salt of the earth. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm remorseful. I've lived a life that has not glorified you, but it's just whatever feels good, I've done it. And when you pray that, and you mean that from your heart, this is what the Lord said. He said, I'll save you. I'll redeem you. I'll buy you back. I'll call you my own. And I'll show you great and mighty things for the rest of your life that you know not of. So, it's up to you. Father, we've gathered at this altar today because, Lord, we don't want to be under a false assumption. God, I just want to thank you that you want to dress us in holiness. You could have told Aaron, just go, y'all go get a pair of overalls and some new sandals and a robe. That'd be fine. But, oh, God, you want to clothe your people, the people at this altar, the people that's on that uh, live feed right now. You, you want them to be clothed in holiness. Because it's a ref holiness is a reflection of you. I pray, Lord, that my life from this day forward will only reflect. God, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm not looking for affirmation. You, you affirm me when you saved me and said, you're mine, you are mine. I'm asking you, God, that you would anoint us in a way. Lord, I've preached your word. I've said what you've laid on my heart. Abba, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, your son, oh God, that you would do what you want to do in the life of every person here, Lord. I pray, God, that we would be determined, we would be focused, and we would know, oh God, that it's you that's made us. It's not we ourselves. We're the sheep of your pasture, Lord. I pray, God, that this week as we live, we would just evaluate everything we do, what we look like, where we associate, Lord, what our motive is every day, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Remind the people, God, that, that you've called them out because you want to do a great thing, Lord. You want to finish what you started, and you don't want anything that's in the world to try to smear their dress, slow them down, or distract them from what you are doing because they don't know what you are doing, Lord. I pray, God, that you would protect every person here from all sickness, harm, 
danger. I pray for uh, Pastor Livingston. I pray, God, that you would continue to touch my brethren that I pray with every week and their families and their churches, Lord. I pray, God, that you would touch what we're going to do Wednesday night and it would glorify you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us in ways that we can only say God is my Savior and my Redeemer. Lord, get the beauty and the glory that's due your name from us. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. Did you realize that your soul is the most valuable thing you have? Really, it is. It's the only thing that will live forever and ever. And it will live on in either one or two places. It'll either live in heaven, in the presence of the Lord, or it will live in hell. Actually, it'll constantly die in hell apart from the presence of God. But today, you have an opportunity to make sure. The Bible says make our calling and election sure. You have an opportunity right this minute to make sure that the rest of your earthly life is spent in a relationship with Jesus and all of your eternal life is spent with Jesus in glory in heaven. And all you have to do if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior is say, Father, I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm lost and you are the thing that is missing in my life. I repent of my sin. I repent of choices I've made. I repent and I'm so sorry for all the time I've ran from you and all the years I've wasted apart from you. Would you forgive me, Lord Jesus? The Bible tells us that if you pray that prayer and you mean that, that the Lord will not only forgive you, but he will actually wash away your sin and he will forget your sin. He won't have the ability, imagine that, to remember your sin because that's the depth of his forgiveness and his love and his grace. And if you did that, we just have some tools we want to give to you and all you have to do is text the word SAVED to the number on the screen. Or if you're online, uh, on a computer, you simply just go to multitudeschurch.com slash SAVED and a simple little form just for the uh, gathering of your information so we can get it back to you. We're not asking you to become a part of this church or give money to this church, although you're welcome to be a part of this church if you don't have a home church. But we want to help you grow in the Lord and redeem the time while there is time. And the Lord's dealing with a lot of you. I know he is, even if you're a believer. God's dealing with you about jumping back in and getting involved in the work of the Lord. And I want to pray for all of you right now before we go. Father, I love you and I thank you for every person that's been a part of this service today. I pray, Lord, those that's made a decision to follow you and to live forever with you, that they would know that you never leave them, you never forsake them. God, and you're going to be with them. You said always, even to the end. And so, God, there's no better consolation than that, than knowing the God of the universe will be with me forever and always through everything. And God, I pray that you would strengthen those who may be weak. 
I pray those would be encouraged, Lord, who may feel like they don't really know what to do next or there's no use in doing anything else. God, help us to know that today is the day of salvation and for us, Lord, to finish our race and finish our course, Lord, with pride, Lord, knowing that we've allowed you, Lord, and we've done all we could do to let you complete what you've started in us. God, I pray you bless people. You would keep people. Make your face shine on them, Lord. I pray you'd be gracious unto them and give them peace, O Lord. And let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. And please, make sure you join us the next time we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Let my life's song sing.